shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It is Thursday, May 4, 2023. What's our question? What you gonna do when the human hope comes for you? Hey, I added human hope to that. Did you hear it? I said, what you gonna do when the human hope comes for you? I mean, do you think it should just be, just be what you gonna do when the hope comes for you? Rappers, come at me, hit me up. Let me know what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What you gonna do when that human hope comes for you? I'm adding like a T. What you gonna do when the human hope comes for you? I mean, I don't know. It's getting closer. It's getting closer, friends. Welcome to episode 107, 107 of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique with the Guzman and Chibalcabeo, or Los for short. How are we doing? How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. I... Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal. I know y'all probably are wanting way more on the fact that in between the last episode and this episode, I became a future father-in-law. What? What is happening? Yes, my daughter, Sohela Teresa Whitaker, is engaged. She's engaged to a wonderful young man named Brady here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have a lot a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts. And guess what? You lucky listeners, you get to hear them, but not this week. I'm actually going to record an episode about all that. Everything, 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 all the feelings, all the frustrations, all the joys, all the worries, all the, all the things that I've, nobody ever told me. Nobody ever told, nobody ever told me what to feel, how to feel it, how to navigate it. Lucky for you, I'm about to tell you, okay? Not about to, because it's not going to this episode, but it's coming. All that to say, round of applause. On my daughter's 21st birthday, uh, she was proposed to. 
and I couldn't be happier. Couldn't be more excited to step into this next next season of life. You know, it's funny because we say next season of life, but you know, my daughter was a teenager in high school four years ago, three years ago, and poof, you know, seasons for some people, seasons are like, you know, seasons shift and go and, and come, you know, they, they move, they, some people spring where you live is really short. Winter's really long, but if you move somewhere else, it's really long. Um, winter's really short and spring's really long. So like what I, that, that's just what I love about it. You know, I, um, I love that the way my life has, has panned out is, I mean, I'm still in my forties when my daughter is possibly going to get married. So I just have, I don't, I have a lot. Like we're going to move, we're going to move on. Or three minutes, 30 seconds in. I could go on that forever. That episode is coming, so stay tuned. Today's episode, we're ending the faith series with my really good friend, Pastor Derwin Gray. Pastor Derwin is my friend from just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. He pastors Transformation Church, an incredible church. I've been able to be there to see how they do their thing. And again, I had my pastors on here, but I wanted to put up, bring a, first of all, I want to bring a black pastor on here because I just thought it was important that we hear from different points of view. And he, Derwin's going to lean into some of that good, goodness, some of that today. Uh, so we're going to get to that conversation. But before we get there, this, this week, <laughs> if y'all are following me on Instagram this week, was crazy. Like the, uh, probably the two, the two busiest days I've had of work in a long time. Flew, you know, from Nashville to Minneapolis, got there really late at night, woke up the next morning, drove to Alexandria, Minnesota, spoke to an incredible community there, their chamber of commerce, and then drove back down to Minneapolis, got there, spent the night, woke up at 3.30 in the morning, flew to Atlanta, spoke at Chick-fil-A, kind of this uh, nonprofit accelerator program that they've got at their corporate headquarters and then up to Orange. It was just a lot of me flying around, sprinting from event to, to event to speak to you and to pour out on you the, the love that I have for the Insta Familia. And I met so many of you. But I just want to make sure if you guys missed this, I, 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 I want to just explain it in a little bit more detail. So I got an Uber on the way to the airport to start this whole journey off last Tuesday. And the Uber driver kidnapped me, just straight up, like kidnapped, like took a wrong turn. And then she's like, oh man, I'm so sorry. Like, cause it, it was one of those things where it, the direction said five minutes till the airport. And then she got on the wrong freeway. And then all of a sudden it said like 25 minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I wasn't running late. I'm, I'm always running late. I wasn't this time. So I'm like, no big deal. We'll follow the direction. And she's like, hey, I don't want to follow the, the map. I, I, I know these streets like the back of my hand. And then she doesn't follow the map anymore. And I'm in the back seat at this point. Like, oh, my Enneagram nineness is like being kind. But at the same time, like, how can I appropriately let this lady know that I need her to not figure this out on her own, but just follow the map? Well, then we're going down the road and <laughs> I just can't, I can't believe this happened. She's like, hey, do you mind? We're going to drive right by my son's work and I need to give him this court document. Do me, do you mind if we just stop? And before I could say no, which I wasn't going to say because I always just say yes. She, she pulls into a liquor store and I'll be honest, not a part of town that I normally hang out with in. So I've never seen this liquor store before, but there were, there were a lot of, a lot of maybe one, two in my, I, I count three very intoxicated individuals outside and she pulls up right next to them when car running window down, walks inside. And then her son comes out with her and he doesn't look very happy. And he's walking towards the car with her. And I'm thinking, this is it. <laughs> this is where it ends. 
I'm just being honest with you. This is this is what so all of this to lead up to the point where he opens the front door, grabs something else out of there. She gets in. She's like, thanks so much. And then she slowly makes her way to the airport and I get out. What would you have done? What would you have done? I, I got I went on a big tangent with my Enneagram nine friends, how all everyone was like, oh my gosh. And then I had a bunch of Enneagram threes being like, it would have, it would, it would become my number one priority on planet Earth to end her career. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, but like she needed to give it to her kid. And isn't it crazy how God has just built us all so different? <laughs> we all need each other. Man, y'all Enneagram threes need need us nines, and us nines need y'all threes and Oh man, it just was, it started my trip off with some chaos and the chaos just never seemed to end. But anyway, got home on Thursday night late knowing that Sohela was being proposed to the next morning and she's clueless. She just thinks it's her birthday. And so, you know, as a dad, that was a very strange feeling night, which I'll get to later, of course, but just kind of want to catch you guys up. And then the engagement was actually amazing. Weather cooperated. Her party was amazing. If you didn't see my Instagram story of her 21st birthday party slash engagement party. It was just epic. Maybe I'll put up a highlight for you guys, but it was awesome. I'm just feeling, I'm feeling very full right now. I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm feeling full. <laughs> my voice, man, I'm a little worried because I have to give a talk tonight. Tonight is the Hope for Heroes event here in Nashville. The tonight as I'm recording this, so this would have been Monday for you when you're listening to this, but it's, you know, we're, we get to love on some teachers and I'm excited. So we're going to have close to 2,000 teachers that we just get to love on and help them through their trauma. A lot of the covenant teachers are going to be there. So I'm excited and I'm a little emotional about the whole thing. So let's get, let's get to the conversation. Derwin Gray, his legend precedes him. He was a starting and <clears throat> also captain of the Carolina Panthers. No, Indianapolis Colts. Anyway, he's an NFL football player. Y'all know my love-hate relationship with the NFL. I love the NFL. I love my Atlanta Falcons, but they just destroy my heart on a yearly basis. I'm a little excited this year because it seems like we've got some, we got some help coming. But all that say, Derwin makes it a point to just harass me every Sunday as he watches me on Twitter complain about my Falcons. So he's a pastor. He's a sports addict. He and I'm not really an addict, but he loves all sports. But the NFL is where you know, his, his pedigree is. And so, um, we're going to talk today about a little bit more about the church in general, because I want, I, again, I wanted someone besides my pastor to speak into this. Uh, also, we're going to talk about like race and why it's, why it's important to talk about race when it comes to the church. I want to talk about some of that. We, we hit on a plethora of subjects. It was a wide open conversation. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So sit back and please, as I always ask you, Reach out to Derwin on Instagram. Let him know how much you appreciated the conversation and enjoy this conversation with Derwin Gray. All right, Human Hope Familia, I'm sitting in front of former safety... Uh, and I, I see, I see some, I see some football helmets on top of his head. If you're watching on YouTube right now, um, but I, he's not a safety to me. He's a friend and he is safe. You are safe. You're, you're my safety when it comes to making sure my heart is safe after a Falcons loss on a weekly basis. Uh, my friend Derwin Gray, pastor Derwin Gray. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good, man. Whenever I'm with you, the sun is brighter. 
<laughs> the world smells better, man. I have hope, uh, man. Someone should do a hey, podcast called Human Hope. Hey, there we go. We're, you're on Human Hope right now. I um, you know, <laughs> so here's the deal. So so. Derwin and I both have a love for a, a lot of things together, right? Like, like we love, we love the local church. We love helping people understand racial reconciliation and things like that. We also love to fish. Yes. Uh, we love, we love football and we talk about all these things all the time. And, and when we go fishing, we get to talk about some deep things. And here's the thing. I'm yeah. a trout fly fisherman. Derwin is like a country bass fishing let's rip the lip kind of dude and uh, uh he's he's taught me how, you know i've caught my really my only largemouth bass with you so thank you for that a big one that thing was big you caught him Bro, on a whopper plopper on a whopper plopper i caught him on yes i did i caught him why, why do you why do you love fishing bro you know what um not to get super spiritual about, about it but i love Bro, fishing you can because because it it it, it reminds me of growing up as a kid yeah and my grandmother my grandmother when my mom had me at 17 she had a lot of issues i love my mom to death but my grandmother yep. was my emotional protector physical provider and i loved her and so one time uh during therapy i was asked draw a picture of your youth that makes you happy and most people huh. think, well, you're you're a, you're a former NFL player. Surely it's going to be football. Yeah. And I drew a tree with me and my grandmother fishing. And so when I fish, it brings back memories of being with her. Wow. Some of my greatest moments as a person has been fishing. But then also now at 52 years old, fishing is what I do on my Sabbath. So mm. I get out in nature, man. I get the vitamin yeah. D from the sun coming on me, the serotonin's flowing. I'm praying. And then um, I'm learning how to bass fish. And so there's an art and there's a science. Yeah. And so it yes. gives me some things. And, and, and then as a pastor, it reminds me of, of this as well. When Jesus said, be fishers of men and women, right? You need different types of baits to reach different types of people, but regardless hmm. of the bait that you use, it's always covered in love. It's wow. always shining in grace. And so wow. it reminds me of how to be patient, how to be loving. And I have fun fishing, not because I catch fish, even though I do. I right. have yeah. fishing fish. because of the whole environment of it. So yeah. that's why I love to fish, my man. I love it. Well, I love I love fishing with you, and um, you know, I, when when we when we did fish, and I did catch that that uh, that thing on the whopper plopper. What I loved about that whopper plopper, it was on the top. That thing was like plopping yes. across the top, and that thing came up and just so whack. And yes, man, it, it was it was such a good feeling. It was such a good feeling. Yeah. And I don't I don't know I don't know if you remember is I told you fish in this spot. And right yes. before it gets dark, the whopper yes. plopper will be on top and it makes a lot of noise. Yes. And man, I still have that picture of that four oh. pound bass that you caught. I still Let's got it go. on me. Let's go. That's awesome. I still got it on me too. I haven't caught a lot of bass in my life. So I, I showed that thing off like I, like I know what I'm doing. You know, I talk about how you, I was telling you this actually earlier before we started the interview that you're one of the, you're one of the pastors that I, I trust a lot of pastors, but 
I have, you know, the last few years has honestly, and I talk about this in my testimony episode on the podcast, but the last few years have been difficult for me in evangelical America. They've been difficult for me in, you know, I, I went through a season where it was difficult for me, even in my own church, you know, and I just have, I've loved how you have shepherded and pastored not only your own congregation, because I, I don't really get to see that on a day-to-day -day basis, but I do get to see you shepherding, and I believe it's something you're you're good at, on Twitter and online and having difficult conversations maybe. Talk to me for a second. Let's just start here. There's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that are like, Carlos, like I, I um, 2016 to 2022, I've left the church. Like I, I, I'm bounced because I just don't feel like it, in America, it is... It's doing what it used to do for me. First, what I want you to do is I want you to tell me about your heart for why you feel why the church is still vital for people's faith and relationship in Jesus in a current context. Yeah. So the first thing is this, is I want to give empathy for people who have been disenfranchised, people who have been hurt, people who have been disillusioned because... It's real, man. It is so yeah. real. Uh, when I became a Christian, August 2nd, 1997, I was thrown into this evangelical world where I was told, you know, Bill Clinton is the worst thing we've ever seen. And yeah. then a couple of decades go by and, uh, and Donald Trump comes along. Then I'm told, well, a person's character doesn't ma matter. And there was mm -hmm. this disorientation. But what kept me rooted in the faith is this. My faith is not contingent upon imperfect people. It's mm. contingent upon a perfect Savior. Yeah. And in God's grace, when you come from a background that is difficult and hard, and you've experienced sexual abuse, you've experienced emotional abuse, you've seen violence, you kind of expect people to suck. Now, that, <laughs> doesn't mean I'm, that, that, that doesn't mean I'm not hopeful. It means that I have a proper understanding that people can never be Jesus. Yeah. Jesus has never let me down. I've let yeah. him down. I've yeah. let other people down, but Jesus himself has never let me down. So therefore I can extend grace and patience and kindness to imperfect people because Jesus has extended grace and kindness to me. Now, why mm. is the church relevant? Number one, the church is not Carlos's idea. The church is not Derwin's idea. Um, in Ephesians, in Ephesians three ten, it actually says that the church is God's manifold wisdom that Jesus realized that that God has always wanted a people. So the church, wow. first and foremost, is a people, not a denomination, not an organization. It is a people who are gathered to a perfect savior who come into his kingdom with humility and we mm. stumble and we fumble our way and we grow in his grace and his mm. grace sees us not as we are, but sees us as though we are actually in Jesus Christ. And wow. so the church exists to be this family dysfunctional as she is, Mm -hmm. to be this family that is growing in love and unity. And if I could pause here, and I don't want to dismiss anyone's pain, so I, uh, 
I apologize if it comes across this way. I don't want to dismiss anyone's pain. Absolutely. So what I would say is this, is whenever I find myself getting frustrated, I think the church hasn't hurt people. It's people who are part of the church who've hurt people. Because mm. to say the church would mean that I've experienced all 400,000 churches in North America. I have not. Yeah. So there are people, and historically, there have been people and who have hurt uh, others. And, and so what I would say is this, if you're looking for any institution on earth that's perfect, you're sure. going to find yourself alone, and then you're going to be detached from yourself because you're going to re re realize the tension within you to be mm. what you want to be and realizing that you're not. And so I take a step back. And Car Carlos, you, you and I have talked about this. Every yeah. one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament was written to local churches who were not getting it right. That is true. And so he wrote to help help them. So when people say things to me like, Pastor, I want to go back to the early church. Um, the first thing is, <laughs> is I, I say is this. Look, look, bro, there's no way in the world Derwin Gray would pastor the church of first Corinthians. There's no <laughs> way those people were wild. It was right. ridiculous. I mean, they turned on the apostle Paul. I mean, you had a, a son sleeping with his dad's wife. You had greed, jealousy, envy, strife, but also what you did have is you had followers of Jesus who would take in infants left out to die from exposure. Wow. You had followers of Jesus who started hospitals. You had followers of Jesus when plagues would overrun the Greco-Roman world. Followers of Jesus would stay, and some would die with those who are sick, but then some would heal those who are sick. And, mm. and so there are many wonderful things that followers of Jesus have done, and there are some difficult things. And so— yeah. I want to look at the perfect Christ and desire that my life and pattern begin to grow to match his grace. And when it doesn't, he sees me as though it does. And that's why mm. grace is amazing. That Well, that is why grace is amazing. And to hear you talk about making sure that we are defining church correctly, you know, like I feel like, again, in, in America, you, you think of a church as the church, we, we, we think of a, you know, a, a local, and a lot of times it's not even that church. It's a one person in that local church, right? Like it yeah. is, yes. Like we, we have been truly, th these are true wounds that people are dealing with, that people are working through, through individuals. But I do love that it, it does, it goes back to Jesus and it goes back to him being the picture of perfection that we need to be, you know, hoping. Yeah. In. Yeah. And it is. And so I am, I, I've been in pastoral ministry now for a while, and I can say without a shadow of a doubt, I have been hurt more deeply, betrayed more viciously by people who say they follow Christ mm. than when I was an unbeliever in the club living crazy. Right. Yeah. However, yeah. I'm not going to stop loving because oh. of the fear to get hurt. Yes. When we, when we think of Jesus, the most beautiful life ever, I, I, I mean, he, he touched lepers. Mm. Um, when the woman was a cult in adultery at the temple, 
Uh, which, by the way, where was the man who got caught in adultery? How did he get up Absolutely. so fast and escape? That's right. And and most likely, and, and I think I'm on good biblical grounds here, it was probably a priest because it was yeah. at the temple. So he probably had a stone himself. And, uh. and, and so, but but Jesus met that woman with incredible grace and say, you who has the first sin, or you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Everyone yeah. leaves. And, and, and so... The church should be a community of people, not with rocks in their hands. Mm. Oh my God, I might start preaching. Let's go, let's go, let's go. The church should not be a community of people with rocks in their hands, but with mercy in their mm. hands, mm. with kindness in their hands. Yes. Because that's what Jesus embodied. A, a hard truth is not absent of mercy. Yeah. And so... Yeah, as a, as a as a pastor, I've been wounded, man, but I'm not leaving um, yeah. this bride of Christ. And I yes. want to do my part to make her beautiful. So what I would say to those who have gone like, man, I'm done with, with this. Yeah. I would say pray and look for a community that's not perfect, but yep. for a community that wants to be faithful. And then lastly, and this is a little strong medicine here. Okay, I like it. Do I hold myself to the same criteria mm. as others. And this is what I mean. I'm quick to say, well, they hurt me. How quick am I to say I hurt them? Y'all know I love me some athletic greens. The reason why I started taking athletic greens, well, because my gut, my tummy was messing with me. So I gave AG1 a try. AG1 is Athletic Greens immune system support like supplement. It it not only helped my immune system, but it helped my stomach. And I think it really started helping everything in my life. I take it in the morning uh, because taking it in the morning actually gives me that energy. I don't even drink as much coffee as I used to. It was super hard for me to keep up with all of the supplements that I know I needed to be taking. So AG1 made it really simple. It's been part of millions and millions of mornings since 2010. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first, first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash human hope. That's athleticgreens.com slash human hope. Check it out. Okay, human hope familia, how many of you have taken my advice and gone to Indeed.com. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and virtual interviews. I know that Indeed works because I have personally had three of you let me know that you have found your latest addition to your team on Indeed. This is what you got to do. Visit indeed.com slash human hope to start hiring right now. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must have job requirements. Just go to indeed.com slash human hope, indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Everyone listen to this. Like th- this is, that's why you said strong medicine, because that's hard for me to hear. Like I, it's so easy for us to know that we've hurt mm. you know, that other people have hurt us, but to, to be, to be able to say no, like that, and that's, that actually takes practice. It takes practice of us doing that over and over again to actually get good at confessing and admitting that we're, we're just as human and jacked up as those that have hurt us as well. Yeah. You, you, you know, something that's helped me with that, Carlos is, uh, yeah. Back in my NFL days, so my second year in the NFL with the Colts, this is 1994, and man, I am a starting strong safety in the NFL. Do you know how many human beings who've ever lived could say those words? Not a lot. Nope. But when you're you're 22, it doesn't mean nothing. So (laughs) I'm a starting safety. My first game, I lead the defense for the Colts in tackles. I was a human missile. I mean, it was like, <laughs> yes. dude, I was I was in my back. And I'm like, this is easy. Right. The next week we go down to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And man, I have a terrible game. Who, who's I mean, the quarterback? Re- Craig Erickson was the quarterback. Okay. And uh, man, there were things that I did specifically. I don't want to get too technical, but the Tampa Bay oh, Bucs yeah, would run this yeah. would run this play called a slip screen. We were in okay. cover four, which means my job is to stay deep. I diagnosed uh-huh. the play, and I told my corners coach, I said, look, look, coach, I see what they're doing. I'm going to go down and intercept the ball. He uh-huh. said, Derwin, that is not your job. Stay over the top. And <laughs> my mouth said, okay, coach, but my heart said, nope, I'm going to be on nope. ESPN. I'm going to make <laughs> the play. Well, little did I know, as a second-year player, first-year so, so started these veterans were setting me up they wanted me uh, to see the bait and yes. so they run the slip screen they craig erickson pumps the ball jackie harris turns like he's going to catch it spins out next thing i know they throw a bomb over my head and guess oh, what no. i got my wish i'm on espn not oh. <laughs> intercepting the ball but getting burned for a touchdown my mom got sees you. it my homeboy yeah. sees it everybody like i'm looking like rotisserie chicken i'm man on fire and oh my gosh after that i got benched wow and you know what i and you know what i said for two years man why did they do that to me i mean i mean everybody makes mistakes and and man they should have gave me a chance and i blamed everybody Mm. except for me wow because a lot of times if i have to look in the mirror and go you know what the coach told you to do your job your selfishness uh-huh. Hurt not only you, but the team, and I can't trust you. It took me two more years to earn that trust back. And so what I wow. would say, say is, in the midst of us saying that person hurt me, let's make sure we're going to the Lord to say, Lord, forgive me for hurting them. Mm. And if you can make amends to the pe- people that you hurt, that's even better. Oh, dude, that is so strong. First of all, I've never heard that story. And I got to we, we got to go dig up that clip somehow. Um, and then secondly, you know, something that you said, I, w- I want to go back to you said, hard truth is not absent of mercy. Yes, I, I feel like you said something similar to that. Yeah. So so th- there's <laughs> there, it, I want to sit on that because that that's that's that was it hasn't left me. There's a lot of people that believe, obviously we all have very hard truths that we believe in. We have, there are things that we cannot separate our opinions and our hearts and all of the things from. How is it that you are able to 
believe and stand by the hard truths that you 100% believe in without losing that piece of mercy that needs to cover those that you're delivering that to? Well, uh, let me give by way of illustration and then see if what I say helps. So early in my marriage, so my wife and I have been married for 30 years now. We met when I was 18. She was 19. We got married in college. She's the greatest human being that I know. I adore her. She's, she's epic. So early in our marriage, uh, I had just started preaching. I was traveling and speaking and whatever my wife and I do, we do it as a team. So she would organize it. She'd use her administrative gifts to organize my trips and all this stuff. So at this time, our kids were still pretty young. And so I would travel and speak and man, I would get home and I would say, Hey babe, the ministry went good. People told me, Hey, they, they, they said I preached and da da da. And then I would just go upstairs. And uh-huh. so I did that a few times. And one time she came upstairs and, and said, listen, I'm glad you went and preached, but you need to know I've been here with our children. And uh, I've been cleaning diapers. I've been interrupting fights. I've been staying awake and, and you need to help me. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I need to help you. I did my part. You do your oh. part. And, 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 and so, man, we were just going at it. And I just felt I was justified. So I called <laughs> oh, my mentor. His name is Alan Bacon. He's not okay. a pastor. He's just a man that loves the word of God, follows Christ. So I called him to give him my case to show mm. him and to show my wife how right I was. So I explained it to, to him. I've been out preaching the gospel. I'm saving souls. And, you know, Vicki, you do your part. I do my part. So I lay it out. And he gets just really quiet. And he says, uh, he says, uh, well, son, please know this. If you preaching the gospel makes you so tired that you cannot love and serve your wife and care for your kids, then you need to stop preaching the gospel. Because the oh gospel my. you're called to preach, pe- preach first is to love and serve your wife as Christ loved and served the church, and then to love and serve your kids. Wow. That was hard medicine, and uh-huh. it was merciful. And yes. here's why it was merciful. If I would have continued in that way, I would have been in deep sin, and deep yeah. sin always causes a divide. And my heart mm. would have grown for my wife. My heart would have grown apart from my children. So that was hard medicine, but it was deeply merciful. And Mm. I'm so glad he loved me enough to be merciful, to give me some hard medicine. And sometimes medicine is nasty, but it's oh so good for us. Ah. And 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 so what I would say is the way we're able to receive the hard medicine that's merciful. Yeah is the pain of doing what we're doing hurts us so much and those we love that we go, I can't do this anymore. I just, I love the balance and the nuance between hard medicine and mercy, hard truth and mercy. Like they can coexist together. You know, one of the things I say that I think speaks into what you're, what you're saying here is I, I say all the time, like, be passionate about your opinions. Like you can have an opinion, you can you be passionate about all these things, but make sure that, that you're walking with those individuals, that you're continuing to walk with the people that you disagree with and letting them know that there is definitely the ability to be able to have both things at the same time. Like, like it, one is not exclusive yeah. of the other. It's not, Carlos, and you raise an incredible point, and uh, I'm going to use a big word, but I'm going to explain the word. 
Okay. The word is epistemological humility. Epistemology uh, is, is how we know truth. And obviously yep. humility means to, 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 to be humble. I have a doctorate in New Testament in context. Okay. But that doesn't mean I know everything. And we should always be moving towards learning. And I can know something and be incredibly confident about it. But how I say what I say is just as important uh, as how it. I say it. And how so I say I, what I say. Yes. Yes. Is it, 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 It's like I can have. Okay. So for example, at our, at our church, a part of discipleship is I have to disciple our people on the right and the left from political idolatry. Uh -huh. And so this is. So this is what I'll say is I'll say, I want you to think about this. The church of Jesus Christ is 2000 years old and overwhelmingly like 99.9% .9 of them have been followers of Jesus without being a Republican or Democrat. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And the modern categories of Republican and Democrat actually changed in the fifties is the Democrats became Republicans and Republicans became d d d Democrats. So this political persuasion is a new kid on the block. And mm. the church overwhelmingly has had people who have no clue what those categories are. So it's wow. very myopic and it's idolatrous mm. to say you can't be a Christian if you vote one way or the other. I just got back from Nor Norway. There's 11 different political parties. And wow. They, like, they, like active they, political parties? Active political parties. And they have to negotiate because there isn't like a block that you can get. And by the way, they laugh at me and us Americans by thinking that Bernie Sanders is a socialist. They're like, Bernie Sanders <laughs> is a socialist? You Americans have no clue what you're talking about. Uh, <sighs> but here's something that's, that's interesting on a side note. Uh, I've seen one homeless person in one week in Norway and the policemen don't carry guns in Norway. Wow. So, but my point is epistemological humility means I can know what I believe, but I can say it with humility and grace and love, not trying to win an argument, but actually mm. trying to have a, a human <clears throat> connection. If I ever want to persuade you to my perspective, being a jerk is not the way to do it. Mm. Come on. That, that, there it is. Put that on a t-shirt. If I want to persuade you of my perspective, being a jerk is not the way to do it. And I feel like a lot of people, honestly, a lot of Christians are, have gotten really good the last few years at being jerks. Like just, they're just really good at being jerks on the internet. And, oh man, I don't know, man. So, 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 um, nothing happens that doesn't start from the inside. And mm. what I want to propose, Carlos, is what you're seeing, people being jerks, is actually a symptom of fear. Mm. It's wow. because, because I'm afraid I have to strike out. And Jesus yes. says perfect love casts out all fear. Number two, and I place this at the foot of a lot of preaching, a lot of preaching in American pulpits is not very Jesus centered. It's tips and pointers and techniques. It's uh, four ways to do this, three ways to do that. And so the person of Jesus and who he is and the beautiful life that he invites us to and to live through us is not communicated. And so people leave churches going, I have to do this. I need to do this. I need to do that. 
And when you feel like you don't live up to God, there's shame, there's guilt, there's fear, there's uncertainty. And so what do you look for? You look for a strong man like Donald Trump, or you look mm. for a smooth brother like uh, Barack Obama, right? And, yep. and neither one of them bled and died and can save anyone. Is politics important? <laughs> yes. Should everyone vote? Yes. But when you begin to feel salvific joy, if you're person wins, that's idolatry. If you oh. see the other side as the enemy and they're Americans, that's idolatry. Yes. And the reality is, is when you don't have good intellectual arguments, the best thing you can do is make someone else an enemy. Like if mm. you look at the history of our nation in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, Racial reconciliation was considered communism, socialist. Wow. It's the it's the same old tired tropes that have taken place. And also on the political left, it's the same old tired tropes. Mm. But we have to look ourselves in the mirror. We're yeah. continuing to put the same old tired people in yeah. office. In office. Ooh, man, that that's all. <laughs> I, people may just need to listen to that little piece right there because that is so important. You know, I, you know, you're talking about racial reconciliation in the you know 60s and 70s and and everything that's happening. It to the listener that's like, well, Carlos said we had a black president, like 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 we 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 we're fine. Like we we got Barack Obama was elected president. Like there's no more problem with racism in America. Derwin Gray, what would you say to that? I would say that it is incredibly stunning that the sin of racism disappeared because Barack Obama was president. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, hold on, wait. You mean Jesus didn't do, do it, electing a president? Right. And, 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 okay, and, okay, so let me mess with your audience here. Yeah, mess, mess, mess. So does the white mom of Barack Obama don't count? Hmm. Mess with him. Because, because, because his mama is, uh, is, is white. Yeah. His daddy is African, so he's a multiracial person. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when I say that to the congregation of Transformation Church, I see the black folks just folding their wrists. And I'm uh -huh. like, look, you can, you can be mad at me if you want to, but uh -huh. I refuse to affirm what's called the one-eighth drop rule. Okay. In the antebellum slavery of the United States, if you had one-eighth of black blood in you, you were considered black. And that is a white supremacist doctrine that the white blood got intermingled. So like my children, I'm African-American, I'm black, my wife is white. And so they yeah. have a black father and a white mom. They're made yeah. in the image of God. They can value right. those things. And then yeah. let me bake y'all's noodle with this. I did a DNA test. I'm 21% European. Carlos, yep. my mom is lighter than you. I've got yeah. an aunt with blonde hair and hazel eyes. So what do I do with that 21% of me that right. is Northern European, right? So, so the beauty of God's grace, the beauty of God's grace is it creates a new race made up of the entire human race. And at yes. the foot of the cross, it's level. The only time we should look down on anybody else is if we're giving them a hand to lift him up. Come on. 
May is Mental Health Month. Mental health affects all of us. It's as important as physical health and it impacts every aspect of our being. Here in America, we're fortunate to have access to mental health support when we need it for check-in, to talk, or help us overcome a crisis. But you know what? For millions of people around the world, a check-in with a mental health professional isn't an option. It continues to be one of the most underfunded humanitarian issues today, but is a key indicator of success in people rebuilding their lives like as refugees and internally displaced people. But at Tutapona, mental health is what they do, providing access to quality mental health services for people affected by war and armed conflicts continuing in South Sudan, Syria, and Ukraine. Listen, giving 15 bucks a month for 15 months is enough to put three adults or children who have lived through armed conflict through one of Tutapona's mental health programs. With more than 50% reduction in trauma symptoms, people are finding hope and hope changes everything. That's three people like you, like me, like all of us. So let's make mental health programming accessible to everyone everywhere. In honor of Tutapona's 15th year of operations, why not give 15 bucks? Go to www.tutapona.com slash give 15. It is Carlos, the children's vitamin expert coming at you. Now, listen, I'm not really an expert. I just love to take them. Which ones? Hiya. Hiya. I take Haya. And I. first of all, it's fun to say. Second of all, listen, you know that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that growing kids should never eat. That's why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great. My kids have been eating my Haya. I have been eating my Haya. We all here in the Whitaker house have been taking these Haya vitamins. They, they include vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and so many others to support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and so much more stuff. We have worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamins. Receive 50% off your first order to claim it got to go to hiahealth.com slash human hope. This deal is not available on the regular website. So go to H I Y A H E A L T H.com slash human hope to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. I know that you You've you've been very actually instrumental in in a lot like I listen to you a lot before I speak myself. I I have been given a platform to be able to speak to a lot of people about a lot of things. And honestly, like I do, like I a lot of times I'll go back to your Twitter history or I'm like, oh man, Derwin said something and I bookmarked it and I, you know, and you you have you have a lot to say about honestly healing. You've got a book called How to Heal Our Racial Divide. Like that, there's a whole book that I literally I'm holding in my hand right now. There's a, there's an entire book that people I would love for everybody to go pick it up called how to heal our racial divide. Now, if someone doesn't have time to read this whole book, yeah. what, what, what would you tell them are some necessary things to do to heal the racial divide? Knowing that the majority of my listeners are again, white, you know, probably between 27 and 47 year old females, you know, what, 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 are, what do they need to know, Derwin? So number one is, this is what I would say. When you see another human being, regardless of ethnicity, treat them as though 
you're interacting with Jesus Christ. Mm. Let me put it in a context as a follower of Christ. The reason we were able to build this uh, multi-thousand member, multi-ethnic church is we start with this. Jesus not only forgave our sins, but he created a family with different colored skins. And mm. in his family, there are no favorites. That in mm. this family, we are a beautiful mosaic and we all image forth the glory of God. So treat everybody like Jesus died for them because he did. Treat everybody as though you're interacting with Jesus. And then lastly, when you see an injustice, place yourself in those people's shoes because mm. that's what it means to love my neighbor as I love myself. So for example, at our church, we're probably 55% white and that's all kinds of white. That's like yeah, yeah, South yeah, Carolina, yeah. Lina, country white, that's Northeast white. And then it's, it's African-American, Latino, people from international, all, all types of stuff. But one of the things that I've noticed over the years is when my white brothers and sisters adopt, uh, particularly black kids, when the, yep. when the black boys are babies, they're cute and cuddly, but then yep. about 13, 14, 15, something changes and they come to me and they, they say, pastor, I, I had no idea that racism was this bad because mm. both of our boys are the same age, but they're treated so differently. We had no idea. And of course I'm a pastor. I shepherd right. them. I share my yeah. experience. And then I lovingly say is, how did you not know we've been telling you as black Christians for so long? Mm. So don't wait until the pain knocks on your door to wow. care. Yeah, Love is incarnational. And I root this in the doctrine of the incarnation that in the council of eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit, God who is omniscient knows everything. He knew that we as human beings would hurt each other, pollute this planet, create sin, but yet God's going, I'm going to rescue you. Can you imagine Jesus in eternity going, hey, uh, Father, um, Holy Spirit, look, this is not my problem. I am holy. I am just. I have no sin. That ain't my problem. No, love, love says, I'm going to go and enter the problem to be the solution. And that's mm. what it looks like to love my neighbor as I love, love myself. And there's only so much that we can do. Carlos, like you do a great job, man. I mean, you, you, you like got folks playing piano, you know, being discovered. And uh, I, I mean, find two or three things that you're passionate about. Yeah. And all of us became, and if we all could become compassionate about those things, we could make an impact. And, and so I would say that how to heal our racial divide really starts with a high view of the image of God in human beings. Mm. That the image of God in a human being is I can love you unconditionally without accepting all of your behaviors. And if I want to reach you, I have to reach you with love, but I have to see you as though I'm interacting with Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. So that being said, and hearing you say that, listen, it is the, it's the color of the blood of the cross and that that's that's the color that obviously it unifies us all as a, as the human race but you also would say i and i'm assuming maybe maybe you wouldn't say but not to go not to go around being like no i'm just colorblind jesus said we're, no. we're one human race you know uh, uh no no um actually the the second part of my book and how to heal our yeah. 
racial divide is called color blessed. Hey. We don't want to be color blind. We want to be color blessed. Okay. And here's what I mean by way of illustration. So when I was writing this book, I was at the coffee shop, an older white man said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, Hey, uh, I'm writing a book. He goes, what are you writing a book on? And I said, I'm writing a book called how to heal our racial divide. And he goes, is there a racial divide in the United States of America? I don't see color. I'm color blind. blind. And I lovingly just said to him, I, I said, well, um, don't be color blind, be color blessed. Like God made me this beautiful chocolatey cocoa yes. color with a culture <laughs> and a history. You don't want to be blind to me and I don't want to be blind to you. God yeah. is a God of diversity. Look at the different fish, look at the different animals, look at the different humans and locate it within every human being is the image of God in all types of colors and cultures. And if mm. I'm blind to that, I do God a disservice. I do you a disservice. And then I do myself a disservice because you have something in me and your color and culture that will bless me. And I have something in me from my color mm. and culture that will bless you. And so yes. that's why we see in the book of Revelation, and for those of you new to the faith or exploring the faith, that's the end of the book. Like it's like, it's like the it's like the movie trailer for what's gonna be. And what yeah. we see in a new heavens, new earth is not Casper the friendly ghost. We right. see human hope. We see huh. every nation, tribe, and tongue. So whatever ethnicity you are now, that's the ethnicity you're going to be in a new heavens, new earth with a glorified, resurrected body. So what eternity is going to be, that beautiful picture of hope, we can experience mm. that human hope right here, right now, by not muting our colors, but by wow. appreciating the beautiful mosaic called humanity. I, I'm speechless. That you, the way that just came out of you is exactly the hope that I want everybody to feel as they're listening to this podcast, man. I just love you, Derwin. You're a gift to me, and now you're a gift to the Human Hope Familia. Thanks, bro. Well, brother, thank you. Love you as well. We need to go fishing. Let's go fishing. Love you, bro. So good. Oh, I just, I love introducing y'all to me, amigos, uh, me real life amigos in the flesh. And Derwin um, has written a bunch of incredible books. You guys make sure that you pick up the, my favorite book. Hang on, I'm going to go grab it. Is um, How to Heal Our Racial Divide uh, by Pastor Derwin Gray. What the Bible says and the first Christians knew about racial reconciliation. That's right. He ain't playing. So pick that up wherever you can pick up books. Let him know how much you appreciate him being on Human Hope this week. And this is the end of the faith series. So first of all, I, I do want to say thank you to all of you that don't share my faith for listening. A lot of you listened, a lot of you learned. Uh, and then for, I want to say thank you for those of you that asked for me to do this because I've never done this on this. Out of 107 episodes, I've never devoted four or five straight episodes to just talking about faith. Next week, we are... <laughs> I'm telling you, you guys are asking for some some hard conversations. We're gonna we're gonna get back to some of these harder conversations in the coming weeks. Uh, some light filled, fluffy conversations. Fluffy ain't nothing fluffy, but fun conversations. Uh, and then we've got some other series coming up: a series on mental health, a series on parenting, a series on relationships. So, y'all, I'm listening to you, and I appreciate you. Hey, hold on, Doctor Delight, hit it. Hey, hey, all right. So, please. 
share the podcast with everyone you know. What you gonna do when human hope comes for you? I will see you next week on another episode of Human Hope. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested.